The following is an exclusive presentation of News Radio 680 WPTF and 98.5 FM. This is the Turning Your Life Around podcast, presented by 180 Counseling, hosted by founder Sarah Coates, a licensed clinical mental health counselor. In this podcast, Sarah and her team of therapists will dive deep into many topics on mental health care. Here's your host, Sarah Coates. Hello, welcome to the Turning Your Life Around podcast. I'm joined today by my colleague, Michael Garner, a licensed marriage and family therapist. Welcome. Thank you. So glad you're here today. Glad I can come. So tell us, Michael, a little bit about how you got into the field of marriage and family therapy. Well, first of all, this is something I never in a million years thought I would ever do. What, a podcast or therapy? Uh, yes, to both. <laughs> definitely not the podcast and definitely not therapy. It was honestly something uh, along the lines of empathy. It was something I was never really good at. And ironically, here I am today. I've been in the nonprofit world. I've worked in churches. I've worked with adolescents. I've worked with families in a variety of contexts, but never thought I'd do something quite like this. But now here I am today. And you've been with 180 for a long time. Many years, actually. And I think you've kind of grown into this role of expertise in the practice of treating families and couples. And so I'm really excited to glean some of your expertise for the listeners. And today we're going to talk about connecting during COVID. Okay, thank you. So, uh, like, when I was thinking about uh, this particular topic, it brought me back to what life was like back in December. Mm. I think most of us kind of wish we were back in December when 2019 before 2020 hit, things were normal. I remember back in uh, December thinking about the previous year and all the great things we accomplished, uh, all the things I've accomplished, and all the things I want to accomplish in 2020. There was something different about this year. It gave an extra air of excitement. 2020, it's this this perfection, 2020 vision sort of thing. So I came into this year with all sorts of expectations and excitements until March hit. And <laughs> it is all. everything changed at that point. I think exactly what you're saying about the anticipation of going into 2020. I mean, it's the numbers. Like you said, it's perfection. Mm-hmm. You, you thought it was going to be perfection. Exactly. And for a lot of people, January started off pretty decently, maybe February too. And then as we all know, March came. And so uh, what was it for you exactly that started happening? I think in, uh, again, like you said, in January, February, everything was for the most part normal. I think we heard some rumblings of some things going on in in China and, and everywhere else along the world. Never in a million years did I think we would hit the point that we hit in March when everything just shut down. I know the fear I faced was obviously how was my job going to be impacted? Financially, what are we going to be facing now? With my job, my wife was working part-time at the time. Then, of course, we get the news. Our kids are no longer going to be in school, and so they're going to be home. I started to work virtually 100% of the time, and life was totally changed at that point. And so I remember the sheer panic and the anxiety from the financial standpoint, the family standpoint, the education standpoint, and all those things had a huge impact on myself, let alone the families I was working with. Yeah, all of that resonates deeply with me as well. I can certainly identify with the financial fear. What is this going to look like for all of us? And I'm sure you can empathize with, you know, me as the practice owner thinking, how are we going to flip this major business into telehealth Mm -hmm. and basically do it in just a matter of a week or two when all of us, at least in North Carolina, went home 
at the end of March. What are some of the problems we face with COVID? Again, these are problems that I know I've faced and many of the couples I've worked with have faced as well. I think the first thing was just the sheer isolation. Mm. Now, all of a sudden, we have no more social interactions. Kids don't have their friends to play with. Uh, I didn't have the chance to see my colleagues anymore face to face. I was even afraid to go to the grocery store. I mean, come on, this is crazy. And so isolation, uh, some of my clients described it as they're a prisoner in their own homes, their Mm -hmm. own four walls. All of a sudden, what they used to go home to and look forward to going home to after a long day's work, they do everything there now. And just the isolation from friends and family and all that stuff just put a lot of pressure on family and relationships in particular. Yeah, I can definitely imagine the pressure it put on relationships. Can you speak a little bit more about that? Yeah, I think, uh, again, because we don't have a chance to honestly get away it's nice to get away we've all heard the phrase distance makes a heart grow fonder after um you know being able to go to work i come home there i i'm excited to see my family i haven't seen them all day well when you're home with them all day you kind of start to miss work because at least work is controlled like i've got four kids at home and it's it's loud some kids bound to be getting on the nerves of somebody else you know frustrations are being aired and so we didn't have the ability to get away and go to work or just be like peace out i'm going to walmart you can have the kids for a little bit like that no longer existed. Yeah, there was no more kid-free time. Exactly. And, you know, I heard from some of my clients, and I still do, especially the ones that are home with their children still doing virtual schooling. They'll say to me, I love my kids, so why do I feel guilty that I need to be away from them for a little while? You know, what do you think about that? It's hard. I mean, I I think most parents would admit, yes, they love their kids, but when you're with them 24-7 and you don't have a chance to breathe, Like everything becomes exhausting. Everything becomes annoying at times. The kids are fighting a lot more because they're home all all the time. They themselves are struggling and the kids struggles come out in behaviors. And so we're seeing an increase of behavioral issues Mm -hmm. at the house when before that was going on at the school. So out of sight, out of mind. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Now it's at home all the time. And most of us trying to balance work as well as you know, the kids going on. And so I need it quiet while I'm working. Well, the kids don't like to be quiet. They're trying to be loud and fun and exciting. And that doesn't happen as easily as we'd like it to happen. Absolutely. And I think about the children that are uh, home with siblings, especially I I just reflect back to the springtime, early summer, when these siblings are around just each other Mm -hmm. and getting on each other's nerves. But yet they're the only playmate and the only connection they might have. Um, So they need a break from each other. And also, I think the kids needed a break from the parents. Sure. As well. Yeah. So it was it was an intense time. It is. Absolutely. And and certainly I think something everyone can identify and resonate with. I mean, no one that I know of, I guess, no one says, oh, that didn't happen for me or I didn't feel that way. Everybody faced it. Collectively, right? Yes, yes. Yeah. And then the marriage relationships, the, the time that we would have to be able to go get away and have like a date night is a great chance to recharge and those sorts of things well in the midst of covid a everything's closed down no one's wanting to watch the kids i've got four kids not many people like ooh, sign me up i'd love to watch all four of your kids right like it's it's hard work and date nights were not able to happen because the kids are constantly around us so this recharging in the relationship 
became very minimal, if at all. And I bet that really increased conflict between couples in the spring and early summer when we weren't allowed to move around and go about like we used to. Yeah. I think what I saw with the couples I was working with in March and maybe even early April is like, okay, what's this going to look like? Some of us kind of enjoyed being around the kids a little bit more, but then I'm telling you to come end of April into May and of course, dot, 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 June, July, August, September, Evan's like, all right, I'm done. I'm over this. Can we just reset? Can we go back to 2019 or skip 2020, go straight to 2021? Like, this is so incredibly difficult. Most of us are just done. Yeah, I, I hear that a lot in my therapy office too, is I am done, I'm over this. I'm having to think through things I've never had to think about before. Just making decisions are harder. Mm-hmm. And, and I do hear, you know, I don't treat as many couples as you do, but I do hear in the individuals I work with about how their actual marriages, relationships, partnerships are impacted by all this together time. Oh, yeah. I, some would think, oh, this is great. This is wonderful. But when you don't have a chance to get away every once in a while, and like I said, breathe, like every little thing is now seen and observed and we become annoyed. Mm -hmm. And since we don't have the break, these little petty things begin to build and build and build. One couple I was talking to the other day, she said, it's gotten so bad to the point where when he breathes, I'm annoyed. (laughs) And of course, his look of sheer terror at that point, like, Really? What else am I supposed to do? It's hard. Everybody's feeling it because these little things have become big things. We don't have the chance to escape them because everything's closed or we couldn't get out to work and have that chance to get away from family no matter how much we love them. So it sounds like maybe what you're recommending when things open back up and flow a little easier is uh, the recommendation is that maybe for couples... It is okay to be away from each other for a little bit. It sounds like we all need that individually to recharge. Yes, yes. I found when I am at my best individually is when I am at my best as a husband and as a father. And that's what we all need. Yeah, some recharge time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I believe it. So then, of course, those are the problems we faced and are still facing. Oh, yeah. With a lot of that. What what are, are there or what are some advantages to look forward to with the whole COVID pandemic? I think back in um, March and April, the the sense I got was the couples were trying to look for what they can take advantage from this. The extra family time, for example, was great. They, they had that built-in family time. They weren't traveling as much. They didn't have to worry about the commute. The commute was literally wake up, maybe roll out of bed. Some people didn't even change. They just rolled right into in front of their computer and PJs and all. <laughs> uh, and so they had a whole lot of extra time at home with the built-in family time. And so I was invited to speak in a podcast early into uh, this whole pandemic thing. And that was the, the, the idea, let's get away, let's turn off the TV. Hey, nothing's on there is good at this point. Let's, let's get away from the devices and have some family-friendly time, whether it's maybe watching a family-friendly movie. Um, Disney Plus has been great in our household for yes. that very reason. Uh-huh. Um, game nights, uh, those sorts of things were just put off the distractions and enjoy the time together. Some families did that, and they saw the benefits of it. But again, we can only do that for so long before it's just like, okay, you're annoying me now. Get away from me. Like that was all um, new and inspirational in March, April, even May. The idea of like, yes, 
we can actually spend time together as a family. We don't have to rush off to soccer practice mm -hmm. or football or work or anything outside of the home. And then maybe some of that got to be a little... Um, you know, boring or yes. old, right? Yes. And now we're shifting again into this newer phase or a different phase of um, how can I get away from some of these family members? It's mm -hmm. interesting how how quickly we've been just pulled in different directions during yeah. this pandemic. Yeah. And it, it can continues to shift and change. Some couples are like, okay, we've gotten out of this. we got to get back into the family game nights and just family time. Let's turn off devices. And then at some point it's like, okay, the kids are annoying me. Let's give them their, their devices. Or I need to get away. So they hop on their devices. And then it's like, okay, but now we're spending too much time. And it just goes back and forth and balance is the key. I was just thinking that balance, you know, surely you're talking to couples and families about creating balance. Um, because all that shifting and switching can be confusing, I would imagine. Oh, yeah. So, so how do you talk to couples and families about creating some balance within family time and family structure? Uh, some things that we've done as a family, and just because we've done it doesn't mean we've excelled in it either. Because, you know, we've got the gamut with four kids. We've got teenagers in the house and little ones. Uh, we try to protect our dinner time. No devices at the table. So that includes from parents on down. I'm not checking work emails. I'm not answering the phone calls that I might get. The kids aren't on Snapchat or Twitter or anything else. My daughter has not really necessarily enjoyed that time uh, because she likes her devices but actually we've gotten to the point where it's become normal and we've en enjoyed it we had uh, my mom over for dinner finally and she had her phone and my kids looked just said sorry grandma no phones right this is our protected dinner yes. time yes yes that's awesome yeah. and that's certainly a takeaway i think families can carry long after oh, the yeah. pandemic is over is protecting family time mm -hmm. so in protected dinner time is a great time if you know parents are home yes together to do that but even i think about in my family unit if my husband's working late my kids and i we still have dinner time together yeah and that doesn't always mean i'm making the meal either it might be you know we swung, swung through pizza hut and picked yes. up something but we're still sitting down and connecting and my hope is that through all of this stuff we've mm -hmm. been under that we take away connecting with our loved ones yes long after this is over yeah and the big thing is just continue to be intentional again long after this is gone because once we get back to normal work and travel well we can still have protected family time we can still have protected no device time yeah so we can be intentional mm -hmm. i like that i like the word intentional i think that's sometimes something that's lost is yeah. the intentionality of certain things so are there any other advantages that we can look forward to because of the experience of covid yeah i think something i personally experienced because i'm normally the one who is out of the house i'm working you know, full time. Um, my wife, for the most part, she was again working part time, but she was primarily the stay at home mom. Mm -hmm. The kids were going to her for everything. Well, now when I'm home, I see how hard her job was. You appreciate her role a whole lot more. Like she is a maid. She is the, a teacher now. She is the policeman trying to put out little fires everywhere and stop the fights. She is still out there doing all the things that she normally was doing anyway, including trying to work. And I saw how much the work into keeping the house to run smoothly, of which I never really saw. And so I took huge advantage of mm. it. And so uh, those guys who have actually seen that have 
hopefully we're able to step up and step into that and be more intentional. You know, I'll take care of dishes tonight. I'll sweep. I'll do the trash. Hey, I'm home more. And so there can be and has been in some families a greater balance in the roles of taking care of the kids. On Fridays when I'm not at work, I'm running with the school stuff. So my wife actually has sort of a day off, if you can have a day off. Well, maybe she can at least run a few errands yes. um, where she can on those Fridays that you're off and mm-hmm. you take over the schooling. But yes. I think that's a really great point that you're making about now different members of the family can appreciate the roles that the other players were playing yes. prior to all of this. So um, And kids can chip in too, which and, is nice. Yeah, totally. Yes. Yeah, they need to, right? Yes. So that's a great point. Are there any other advantages that you can think of? Yeah, one more thing that, again, is an advantage um, but can also be difficult is because we are home all the time together. It's forcing us to work through these issues. A lot of issues would go kind of swept under the rug. I'm going off to work out of sight, out of mind. She's out doing her things. The kids are out doing their things. Well, with COVID and those of us who are still working from home, those issues don't just magically disappear. And so we're forced to face them head on and deal with them and hopefully find some sort of middle ground, some sort of resolution, if nothing else, just to talk through those issues and recognize how greatly it's impacting each of the different family members. Well, isn't that the nature, too, of family therapy is confronting the issues instead of sweeping them under the rug all the time? Mm -hmm. And then once you actually confront an issue, you have the opportunity to work through it together and then you're better for it as a family. So I like that Mm -hmm. very much that that's an advantage. I know that prior to joining on here, we talked about some ways that families and couples can connect during COVID. Yeah, there's uh, all kinds of different ways, ways we can connect, whether we're in the midst of COVID it or not. I've found five very basic generic ways, again, at a very entry level of which we can connect. Things that aren't necessarily hard, but can be hard to put it into practice. So in theory, it sounds easy, but again, within the confines of our four walls, with the midst of what's going on at home and the kids and the relationship dynamics, it can make it a little bit more tricky putting them into practice. So I always ask couples at this point, I said, think back to when you guys were at your best. What was going on? What were you guys doing? What were you guys experiencing? Let's learn from those. And think back to times when you guys weren't weren't great. Things were just off. You guys were maybe at each other's throats. Conflict just seemed to increase or you felt like roommates coexisting in the same four walls Mm. of the house. And I'd have them describe what's going on there, what's missing, what's the difference between those two pieces. And from that, I found five very basic ways of which we can connect. Okay. The first is just being kind. Mm. Now, that's something that sounds super easy, right? Like just say something nice, do something nice. But a lot of times we can be kinder to a complete stranger But yet when we get home to people who we should love, care for the most, we can be a complete jerk. And when I ask couples to kind of describe that difference of why we can be kind to our coworkers and a complete stranger, but yet when we're home, it can be a little bit more difficult. What I've found what most couples recognize is there's a level of investment. I'm invested in those relationships at home. And so when it's going great, it's easy. When it's not going great, I'm putting on my defenses. Mm. I've got to protect myself because I don't want to get hurt. Mm. But if I'm trying to be kind of a stranger and they turn out to be a jerk, no big deal. Like There's it no might, investment. Yeah, it might yeah. bug me for 15, 20 minutes. No sweat off my back. I'm probably never going to see them again a day in my life. 
But at home, hello, I have to go to bed. I have to wake mm -hmm. up. It's the weekend. I've got to live with these people. <laughs> 24 seven. <laughs> exactly. For the foreseeable future. So being kind is absolutely essential. Again, it's easy saying something nice, offering a word of encouragement or uh, affirming and doing nice things, but can be very difficult. And laughter kind of goes along with that as well. Just add a sense of excitement. Most couples, when they're at their best, they were having fun. They're enjoying life. COVID, kind of hard to get out sometimes. So maybe watch a video. One of our colleagues got some goats. Hello, those are some funny creatures. Yes, they are. Just watch them and you can't help but to laugh and and and, and have a good time and add a, a, an air of lightness in the relationship. Yeah, I like all of that. Uh, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't take a lot to be kind, um, but I think people sometimes, and I can reflect even in my own life, um, we respond so quickly or we really were reacting. Oh yeah. And so if we pause, just take a breath and then respond, most of the time our responses are kinder yes. than maybe what we were thinking in our brains. Exactly. Yeah, and I, I love the idea of just creating some laughter and surely COVID has uh, stolen the laughter from a lot of people. For sure. And the joy from a lot of things going on in their life. But, um, you know, just like you said, watching funny videos, mm -hmm. watching funny TV shows, anything like that to create some laughter. Okay, yeah. so that's, a, that's one idea of mm -hmm. a way to connect. What are some other ways? The second area is actually pretty closely connected, and that's time together. Like if we look at our calendar and our schedule, we can tell what's important to somebody. If someone were to see my life, they can tell family is important for me. Hello, that's the work I do. I spend most of my time at home, not just because COVID, but I love my kids. I enjoy spending time with my wife. Mm -hmm. I also spend a considerable time watching football mm -hmm. or on working on my fantasy football team so I can beat all my friends and family. Um, I like to spend time volunteering in the community. You can tell what I spend my time with is what is important to me. And the things I don't spend time with obviously you're going to suffer. Right. And so if I'm not being intentional and in spending quality time with my kids and or with my wife, obviously it begins to suffer. Now, one and two, kindness and, and, and laughter, and then time, those two are connected. Mm -hmm. Being that when we spend intentional time together, good quality time together, it's easy to be kind. But when I'm pulling away time, that kindness typically is not far to follow. That begins to uh, suffer mm. a bit more. And the opposite is also true. If I'm being around someone who's just being a jerk and not being nice, what's the first thing I'm gonna pull away? My time. I don't wanna be around someone who's always fighting, who's trying to pick a fight and creating conflict and always nagging. That's hard. So when we can be intentional with saying kind things, whether the person deserves it or not, Right. And we can make sure that we are carving out quality time, COVID or not, mm -hmm. which may mean after the kids go to bed, we've got some kid free time, something, but we spend good quality time together. We're going to see some and reap some benefits of that. Yeah. I, I like, again, the word intentional came up. Some yes. intentional kindness, intentional time together. So certainly. Okay, good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The third and fourth are similar, and that's the areas of physical connection and emotional connection. Now, I want to be honest. This is a little stereotypical. Most guys cheer 
when I say the physical connection, like, yes, you're talking my love language. Okay. And then I say, yes, but we, what about the emotional connection? And, and the all guys, the women are saying, yeah, where's that part? Exactly. Guys, they're, the look on the guy's face, when I ask them to define this idea of emotional connection is comical. They're, they're perplexed. Like, uh, what is this emotional thing you speak of? I don't know. Um, and so I like to kind of further define both of them. Now, they're both very, very important. We've got to have healthy levels of touch. And that is from sensual to the non-sensual. Mm-hmm. So it's being uh, going out of a way and just offering soft, very simple, gentle touches, of course, and as well as making sure that we're protecting more than more intimate mm-hmm. stuff. There's something powerful with touch. Like I think of times where someone's just really, really struggling and you see someone who cares for them. They go up, they don't say anything, and they offer a very sim- simple, soft, safe touch, and you just begin to see them break down. Mm-hmm. They feel completely safe and comfortable and dare I say even vulnerable in that space simply because of the touch that was offered. Now there's a little, I get a little geeky with this. There's a a hormone released in our body when touch is going on. Again, healthy levels of touch. Oxytocin is just flooding our body at that point. And what oxytocin does for our body is it helps us feel better. It relaxes us. It reduces our blood pressure, which is always a nice thing. And we generally feel good. That's why we call it the the feel-good cuddle hormone. I was thinking the happy hormone. Yes, Mm -hmm. yes. And so this is released when there's healthy levels of touch. Again, stereotypically, guys tend to be uh, more good on this women not that they aren't good with this uh more often than not though they tend to be in this other area and that's the emotional connection so the emotional connection in a nutshell just to kind of break it down obviously ties directly into our emotions Mm -hmm. we've got to recognize our own emotional state we've got to also recognize the state of which our spouse is dealing with at that same time and we've got to be able to share those and communicate those effectively it's easy however when we're both sharing the same emotion yeah we're both excited that's fun it becomes easy and natural when we're both upset with something like our kid is doing something goofy yeah sure we're both upset that's probably easier to deal with what gets tricky Mm -hmm. is when one spouse is upset and the other spouse thinks it's no big deal. That's where the emotional connection comes in play. We've got to be able to recognize I have an emotion, my wife has a different emotion, and we've got to allow those two to coexist. So even though I may not think it's a big deal, I've got to empathize and validate that it's okay that you're upset and give her space to share that. So the the emotional connection happens when there's a sense of the other person really understands where we're coming from. They hear us, they can validate our perspective. Now here's the key. Most guys are okay with this. Now, once I get to this point is you don't have to always agree. It almost becomes irrelevant whether you agree or disagree. Most couples realize I don't mind that the other person has a different perspective than me as long as they feel that, okay, he hears me. She understands my perspective of where I'm coming from. That's the key. So when we're able to do that, that's where the emotional connection begins to really uh, flourish and, and blossom 
at that at that time. Now, the physical and the emotional are also connected because that oxytocin that I said, mm-hmm, the is, happy hormone, exactly is released when there is that emotional connection. When two people have a fantastic conversation, one of my couples had a big argument um, on the weekend. By the time Tuesday came around, she said, there's probably one of the best conversations we ever had. I said, how'd you feel towards him? Oh man, I felt great. I just, I felt relaxed. I felt like he understood where I was coming from. They still disagreed. And I looked at him, I said, describe that for me. What was that like? And And he said, like, I felt closer to her at that moment than I ever did before because we were able to work through this issue that happened over over the weekend. And again, oxytocin is being released in our body, relaxes us, reduces our stress, makes us feel good. And, and then of course it's connected because typically ladies are more okay to go in the physical arena. Yep. I knew you were going there. Uh huh. That's true. And when you ask a guy, when they feel closest to their spouse, more often than not, it's, you know, after some touches going on after a little something, something in the bedroom, if you know what I mean. Yes, I, th- I think your listeners probably do know what you're talking yes. about. <laughs> so, you know, one thing I was just thinking about was you don't have to agree with one another in order to empathize yes. with each other's emotional needs or physical needs. You just have to be able to empathize. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And learn to communicate that and share that in a non-threatening, non-judgmental way. Yeah. All right. Those are some really great ways to connect, even during this COVID time and when we eventually move out of this, hopefully, right, Um, outside of COVID. Any other ideas or ways that we can share with the listeners about Mm -hmm. um, ways that couples and families can connect? Yeah, the last area I think of is the area of life convictions. Actually, this is where most relationships began. Like my wife and I, we attended the same high school. We attended the same church. We knew a lot of the same people, the same circle of friends in a sense. We were both athletes. Those were similar values that we held to. And we got to know each other in that situation. Now, of course, as relationships continue to grow and deepen, we need our our convictions to really go to a much deeper level. Unfortunately, a lot of relationships stay surfacey. My job is to help them take it to a deeper level. And so this idea of convictions are values, goals, priorities, and dreams, and being able to share those with each other and, and create those sorts of things. When kids come to the picture, wanting our kids to have the same end goal. Like, I want my my kids to look a certain way when they become adults. My wife wants them to look the same way. We want to be on the same page with these sorts of things. Now, conflict also shows up. 90% of conflict shows up right here as well. Mm. Typically because there's a different set of values or a different set of priorities. So I ask the couples, I say, do our values have to be the same? Most people recognize, sure, they need to be similar, but they don't have to be the same. Right. Not identical. Yeah. Like I've got a different set of goals and dreams and values that I hold to because I do therapy and practices for a living. My wife, for the most part at this point now, is a stay-at-home mom. Her values have to be different than Mm -hmm. mine, and that's okay. Mm -hmm. And actually, we're better and we can achieve more when we allow for those differences. The key is we want to make sure they don't violate each other. Hmm. And conflict happens more often than not because they're simply different. They don't necessarily violate each other. One easy example most couples deal with is when it comes to finances. Typically, there's a spender and there's a saver. 
two very, very, very different values. One values, we're going to squirrel money away. We're going to invest in it over 401k for retirement. We're going to put it uh, off for a rainy day. we got to replace tires next month, those sorts of things. When the other's like, yeah, but I want to have a date night. We got to, I want to splurge and get something for the kids. Hello, we got to get cleats, you know, for the kids now that soccer is starting to open back up or whatnot. Uh, those are two very different values. However, would you say they violate each other or are they just different? And so the phrase I love, my couples to remember, is not wrong just different. It's not wrong that one person wants to save money. That's probably a good thing. It's not wrong that the other person wants to spend some money as long as we don't go to the extreme on either end. So when it comes to communication, especially with our values and priorities, we want to allow the two to kind of coexist. At the end of the day, financially, we're probably at our best when we can save some and enjoy a little bit of what we worked so hard for. Sort of sounds again like it goes back to balance. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. This has been very helpful. I hope that our listeners have enjoyed understanding a little bit more about how to connect during COVID. Certainly, we all collectively have shared in a lot of these experiences that you mentioned at the beginning of COVID, and we're not out of the woods yet. Yep. But if anyone is looking for additional resources and assistance in better connection with their loved ones, their spouse or partner, certainly we encourage you to reach out to Michael Garner, licensed marriage and family therapist. He's actually in our Johnston County location of 180 Counseling in the Garner office. And aside from Michael, we have a whole number of other marriage and family therapist in the practice. So we thank you for listening to today's podcast, our episode connecting during COVID. And thanks again, Michael, for joining us. No problem. Thank you. You've been listening to the Turning Your Life Around podcast presented by 180 Counseling with five triangle locations to serve you. Learn more at 1-80counseling.com. This has been an exclusive presentation of News Radio 680 WPTF and 98.5 FM, a Curtis Media Group station.